check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hello. I um, actually typed this out, so I'm going to read it. This is something a little different for Outcast, given the current circumstances we find ourselves in. In the spirit of artists helping each other out, welcome to No Place Like Home, bringing poets together so we all won't feel apart. Recorded over the last week, we have, between part one and part two, six poets sharing their own work and that of poets they enjoy and coming direct from their individual places of residence as a practice of social distancing. This is truly a rich and varied mix of styles and themes. I hope you enjoy these. In this segment, part two, you'll hear Sarah Jane read her own work filled with questions of life and love that we may all ask as well as the work of other poets, including Mary Oliver. Alex Perry reads his approachable and rhythmic macabre pieces. And to close, we have Jill Marie, who also reads Mary Oliver. You can never hear too much Mary Oliver. Hashtag more Mary. Anyway, stay tuned and thank you. To start things off, Sarah Jane reads and shares. Well, Sarah Jane, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So where are you reading from right now? I, believe it or not, moved into a new apartment last month. Okay. Uh, just before everything hit the fan. Yeah. And so I am reading tonight from Fairhaven. Okay. Uh, after living in New Bedford all my life, um, moved in with my boyfriend. So I've got a nice, decent-sized two-bedroom apartment to quarantine in, which is yeah. a step up from my one-bedroom. <laughs> right, right. So I've got a little bit more uh, breathing room here, fortunately. Yeah. Um, but it is rainy, and uh, I've spent all day in the house because I am remotely working uh, for my day job. So... It's been interesting. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was on the porch earlier and I was watching the snow come down, and it was kind of calming, you know, because it was the big flakes and they were just coming down so slowly and at an angle. Kind of thought. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like some folks haven't read enough Little House on the Prairie to kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, alleviate themselves of some of the stress because, you know. We're basically just, I think it was like the third or fourth book where they're snowed in for a winter. Right. So, you know, you just got to sit down and make a quilt or something and take <laughs> care of yourself. Yeah. So. It, it may be obvious. Like, I am I hate to be freaking out a little bit, but it, it, it sets in here and there. And Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But. Yeah. And, the you know, the fear of, of what could be is the biggest thing, you know. Right. You might you might not be so much worried about yourself, but I mean, just you know, the state of everything, honestly, yeah. is worrying. But hopefully, this 
thing we got going on here will brighten some spirits and at least yes. hear some poetry and hear the the voices behind them. Absolutely. Yeah. So what will you be reading tonight? So I've picked a few of my favorite poets um, to read from, and then I'm probably only going to read like one or two of my own. Okay. Um, just because I don't read any, I don't write really anything uh, comforting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, uh, I've got you know a couple of pieces that I think are are thoughtful, so uh -huh. I'm going to read those. Um, but I picked a couple of my favorite poems that I really think um, are going to shine in a moment like this. Yeah. So I guess the first one I'm going to start with is um, Mr. William Butler Yeats, Irish poet, um, one of the greats of Ireland. Um, and this is the Song of Wandering Angus. I went out to the hazel wood because a fire was in my head and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread. And when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out, I dropped the berry in a stream and caught a little silver trout. When I had laid it on the floor, I went to blow the fire aflame, but something rustled on the floor and someone called me by my name. It had become a glimmering girl with apple blossom in her hair, who called me by my name and ran and faded through the brightening air. Though I am old with wandering through hollow lands and hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone and kiss her lips and take her hands and walk among along dappled grass and pluck till time and times are done the silver apples of the moon, the golden apples of the sun. That was Mr. William Butler Yeats. Thank you. Uh, little nature poetry, I feel like is crucial right now, um, especially for those that feel a little stir crazy. Yeah. Um, and that one's just a beautiful kind of fairy tale poem which the Irish are quite uh, adept at. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Um, my next one is by Mary Oliver. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you don't know Mary Oliver yet, uh, for anyone listening, please go read her immediately now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she is an antidote to everything going on right now. Um, you know, not exactly a fire in your belly kind of poet, but it's it's there. She's just yeah. incredible. I think we lost her. It might have been around this time last year, I think, that she passed away. Okay. Um, yeah, and, I know she passed away. Um, yeah, I think it was it was a little over a year ago, and um, okay. the the New York Times like barely covered her, and I just was so <laughs> I was so angry. Um, but I really, I really got to love her within the last like three years since I really started focusing on my poetry more. Oh, cool! Um, and she's definitely given me a lot of uh, inspiration and a lot of license to kind of explore what poetry can be and look like. Yeah. Um, and this is one of my favorites by her. It's, the title is "Morning" by Mary Oliver. Salt shining behind its glass cylinder, milk in a blue bowl, the yellow linoleum. The cat stretching her black body from the pillow, the way she makes her curvaceous response to the small, kind gesture, then laps the bowl clean, then wants to go out into the world where she leaps lightly and for no apparent reason across the lawn then sits perfectly still in the grass. I watch her a little while, thinking, what more could I do with wild words? I stand in the cold kitchen, 
bowing down to her. I stand in the cold kitchen, everything wonderful around me. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just, and that one is perfect for right now, being in your house. Take yeah. a look at what's beautiful around you and try to, you know, feed into that and, and lean into that and find your, ins, you know, inspiration or your, your calming there. Um, I love that. The salt, what was it? Salt shimmering behind glass. Like it just sounds. The visual. Yeah. Yeah. It's just beautiful. And, yeah. you know, you can see that in your own kitchen at the right angle of the sun in the right moment. <laughs> totally. Um, I love her. She is fantastic. Yeah. Just to jump in for a second, there was, um, she was uh, interviewed and read some on the On Being Project podcast. I don't know if you heard that. Oh. Or... No, but, I haven't. Yeah. With Krista Tippett, she, that's, she's the host. And uh, I believe it was in 2015. And of course, when she passed away, they sort of reshared that interview. Mm. And she reads quite a bit of her work, Mary Oliver oh. does. And, um, it's wonderful to even to just hear her voice and the yeah. the little inflections and in, you know in her throat you know as she reads like right. it just anyway <laughs> right that's the thing yeah. that's always the thing with like reading your favorite poems um, yeah. is that your inflection might not be the same as theirs yeah. and then you hear the actual poet read and you're like oh oh wow <laughs> you find a new avenue have you ever heard um, Robert Frost read no no. It's, you know, it's very old timey because I mean, you know, it was a while ago, but his voice yeah. is just absolutely nothing that like I thought it would be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of see the visuals of him and you picture this kind of crotchety, mean old man. Yeah. Um, and it's got that like graveliness to it, but he did, I don't know. He just seems so much nicer reading yeah. his poetry than the visual would uh, would um, give you. Right. Um. Let me throw one of mine. Throw one of mine in the mix. Um, nice. All right. This is a poem that I wrote a few months ago. Um, and I bring it up now because uh, a lot of my personal poetry um, lately, I've been digging into my past, like my, my childhood, and being raised uh, Catholic in the yeah. Catholic Church. Um, and now as an adult being very non-religious, um, I'd consider myself spiritual, but I don't, I don't like, I don't like the idea of any sort of, um, set religion or dogma. I really, really push against that. Um, and I, <laughs> I blame most of that on my, um, my schooling, uh, in, in Catholic school growing up. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my stuff has been that coming from that place. And then I think it was just yesterday, um, the Pope kind of tweeted out that, um, you know, Catholics shouldn't worry about uh, going to confession during this crisis uh, because you can just talk directly to God and ask for forgiveness. And huh. that's one of the... <laughs> Like, that's one of the base tenets of, of going to church, like, and priests. That's, like, their their main job is that they're your conduit to God. Yeah. You're supposed to go through them. And so he kind of just, um, he, you know, he just kind of slipped under, like, years, thousands of years of Catholic teaching to be like, it's okay. And while I love Pope Francis, I just feel like that was such a um, strange thing thing and uh it's got me kind of spinning now because i'm like well here we go my whole my whole spiel with my poetry now is like i gotta i gotta give him a little credit somewhere in, in there i guess yeah. um but this poem uh i wrote uh, last year after a, a jaunt through europe with my oh, family wow. um yeah i got to take like a 10-day vacation with my mom and my little brother and sister and uh, it was on like an educational trip. So we did all this stuff in 10 days wow. um, and it was exhausting and amazing, um, but it left me with a lot of questions. Um, so this poem is called Ecclesiastical. I've just genuflected for the first time in 10 years 
inside Salzburg Cathedral, humbled to reverence by the gold and glory of its beauty. Sitting inside an Austrian cafe, I learn that Notre Dame is burning, and I'm confronted with my belief in a power greater than myself, something above my human capacity to feel. What do I believe? Notre Dame, a mammoth of art, power, beauty, surely fit to be the palace of the king of heaven. Does it really house the crown of thorns that pierce the savior's skin? Do I believe that? Or do I know that it's a weaved circle of garden briars cast in bronze? A man risked his life to save it from the blaze. I hope he believes it. What do I believe? A woman stations herself and her five children at a table beside me in my neighborhood cafe. She instructs them to say grace before devouring their pastries. What do they believe? I know the baker made those fresh from scratch this morning, and I don't know. I feel that God has very little to do with it. And I guess I believe praise is due to the man who had to wake up at 4 a.m. to make them. I learned that my grandfather sings like a bird during church services at his nursing home. As his mind slips away, the remnants of his past float to the surface. A long life saved in some ways by Jesus, but mostly by his wife. What does he believe as memory fades? What does he believe as sight leaves him? What does he dream of at night? What do I believe? That was yeah, one by a lot of good questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, none of which I answer, but that's that's the beauty of poetry. Yeah, <laughs> you pose them, right? Exactly. I, I thought about them and I wrote them down. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I guess I'm going to go with uh, another one of my favorites. Um, this is by the incredible Dr. Maya Angelou. Okay. Um, and this is uh, one of her more political poems, which, um, you know, everyone reads her phenomenal woman and, and, still I rise and that, and there's power and, 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 you know, and stuff like that in those poems, but she's, she's so much more. She's, you know, she's, uh, I, I love Maya. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Angelou is probably the one reason why I started reading poetry in like junior high. Oh. Um, yeah. Finding out that she was a poet. Cause I had read, um, I know why the cage bird sings. Yeah. But finding out that she was also a poet as well as a as an author, um, you know, a, a novel, a novelist. There we go. That's the word I wanted. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I could, I could do that. You know, her her novels and her memoirs were so heavy um, that I kind of wanted to see what she did with poetry, and I, you know, found a treasure trove there. Yeah. Um, so this is Dr. Maya Angelou's poem, America. The gold of her promise has never been mined, her borders of justice not clearly defined. Her crops of abundance, the fruit and the grain, have not fed the hungry nor eased that deep pain. Her proud declarations are leaves on the wind, her southern exposure, black death did, did befriend. Discover this country, dead centuries cry, Erect noble tablets where none can decry. She kills her bright future and rapes for a sou, then entraps her children with legends untrue. I beg you, discover this country. Wow. So that's basically, yeah, Dr. Maya saying, America ain't shit. <laughs> 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 um, 
And at this moment, you know, when senators are selling off stock before they tell us we're all going to die, America ain't shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I have one last one last one for you. It's another or one of mine. Um, Kind of a doom and gloom poem, um, but also a love poem. The title is Where Will I Find You? at the end of all things. Where will I be when the world ends? I'd prefer to be with family, around my grandmother's dining room table, picking cubanelle peppers out of a giant antipasto, unaware of the oncoming end. But what if there are choices? What if there's time to suffer? Time for the number of goodbyes to dwindle down What if the end of the world is a slow unraveling? Slow motion, Hollywood, fire streak across the sky. Where will I find you at the end of all things? Emaciated and worn, tired of the dust and decay. Should we just lay down in our bed like the lovers of Pompeii and wait? Let our bones intertwine, create a pretty picture for whatever comes after. My head tucked beneath your chin, forever sealing my kiss to your collarbone, our overlapping shadows scorched to our white walls. Could we go to the shore, sit by the sea and let the violence of the waves wash us away? We'll drift out together. I've grown tired of the world, its cruelty and emptiness but I'd be terrified to go without you. So let's melt into this kind, continuously warming blue. When did you write that one? That one I wrote maybe two months ago. Oh, yeah? Just after New Year's. Okay. Just after New Year's. Yeah. But also before... Before this, yeah, yeah before yeah. all this shit, yeah, which is uh, terrible. But um, <laughs> you know that um, I'm sure you've felt it before that weird week between Christmas and New Year's, where you have no idea what you're feeling or where you stand, and you're just thinking about your life in general. Yeah, like what to do. <laughs> right, like oh, it's almost 2020. Uh, what am I doing? And yeah. then. You know, New Year's Eve, you have fun or whatever. And then the week after New Year's, you're like, all right, all right, it's 2020. And yeah. um, I don't know. I think the news, the news, those like four days after New Year's were just awful. Like, you know, 2020 just came in and just slapped us all in the face right away. Yeah. And that's when I wrote that poem. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that was the kickoff to my year. And it's a, uh, only gotten a little uh, a little bleaker since then unfortunately yeah um, i wonder um actually wrote something that was i guess somewhat positive <laughs> yeah that's yeah i mean you know i've i've been in a relationship for over two years now and it's yeah. uh going better than anything else i've experienced in my oh, life cool. uh, yeah which is which is cool which is why that kind of turns – it does turn into a love poem eventually. Yeah. Um, a pretty grim one, but there's still that kind of comfort in knowing that you're you're not experiencing this by yourself. There's yeah. someone there with you. Um, and I hope that's what a reader would take away from that poem instead of just the world going to shit theoretically. No, I think you it- – goes to that point to that and say even the last line really mm. it's you know mm. you don't have to experience it alone especially right. if you're in love or involved with somebody or and it's it's a it's a strange time because i'm in a similar situation in some way we're reacquainted with someone who you know we we're romantic if you will and um and now this you know it's like okay how we can't quarantine from each other. <laughs> um, right. But 
I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what, what's wh where do you go with this? You know, and that right. With, where with how that. do you how do you plan? How do you yeah. how do you um, keep enough? Um, I guess energy yeah. to put into someone else is also the scariest part. Like, you know, do you plan for the the long haul? Like, yeah. how do you plan for the long haul when you're not sure you're going to be able to make your rent for the next? week you know what i mean yeah. um i guess maybe we is, need to find a balance you know yeah definitely and yeah. uh you know we also need to find um some relief somewhere from you know the from everything it's yeah. the, you know there's different ways but the, there are some that are healthy there's some that are not healthy um and i really i try to lean into um, the relationships that I have with, you know, my family, I'm extremely fortunate to, uh, have a huge family that is there for me and I can reach out to if I need to, right. um, like three of my aunts, I, I, St. Patrick's day was, was last week. Um, and I'm super Irish if, if you couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so I was making, I, I wanted to make a boiled dinner on, on Tuesday yeah. and, you know, in, I, I ran out to a grocery store early in the morning so that I could kind of get it, get it out of the way yeah. and everything was, was bare as it has been oh. for like two weeks now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was like dust and, and roots in the, in the potato aisle. And yeah. I, that's, that's the main staple of a boiled dinner is potatoes and cabbage and carrots. And so I kind of put out a little text like, hey, does anybody have uh, uh -huh. potatoes for me to borrow? Three of my aunts yeah. <laughs> came to my rescue <laughs> with, oh, with an offer for potatoes. So, like, you know, I just I have a huge um, safety net around me. And yeah. that's yeah. where I get a lot of my comfort from is the fact that I haven't moved far off the map from my mom and my aunts and the rest of my family. So I have a huge, huge support system Yeah. Um, and, a, and a partner who also has a huge support system. So we we're taken care of on kind of both sides. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's awesome. It's a great feeling. Um, so that's a lot of my positivity, I guess, is that like, I'm okay. There will right. be ways for me to be okay. Um, and so that keeps me, from freaking out that's cool i'm glad you know it's <laughs> yeah like yeah and and you know i i love what's being done online you know say outside of that like with with art and poetry like do we have to let it stop you know and i don't think we we can afford that you know no absolutely uh, not um yeah that's the the reason why i started the um anomalies uh remote access open mic right um it's because, you know, that the power of, of poetry, because I mean, I picked I picked poems tonight that mixed that kind of, um, you know, artsiness with um, emotion and, and calming. But there's, you know, poetry has so many different facets that you can reach so many people with just one poem. Yeah. And having regular people read those poems so that you can sit there on your phone and scroll yeah. through and watch a person read to you. It kind of, I feel like it breaks up that isolation factor um, and the monotony of, you know, post after post after post about how terrible everything is. And all of a sudden, you know, my goofy face comes up on your <laughs> timeline and I'm reading you a poem yeah. and I hope you take some comfort in that. That, you yeah, know, it's I'm good to see a face here. and it's live and it's. Yep, and talking you know. to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, that's what the the hashtag. Yes, hashtag remote access open mic. And that's on Instagram and Facebook. That is on Instagram and Facebook. On Facebook, we're anomaly poetry, and then on Instagram, it's at anomaly dot poetry. If you want to tag us in those videos um and hashtag them with that remote access open mic um we will find them and we will feature them on our pages yeah. so that you can share your poetry with a wider audience um, cool. and maybe alleviate somebody's 
stress or sadness at some point in this uh, strange new time. And then it's just the idea of um, someone reading to you. You know, it's like, it's very calming. It, you know, mm-hmm. we hopefully we all had that experience as a kid and why why should it stop in, in adult life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I guess that's obvious, but I just, you know. Yeah, no, <laughs> I nice. mean, to, to adults, I don't think it is. I think you kind of, you know, you think of reading to a kid at night as programming them to like enjoy reading by themselves but at the same time it's it's a comfort it's a security thing to hear another voice and you know it's not usually people do find a rhythm even when they're reading you know a story so it's not the incessant chatter of someone talking it's calmly reading something to you um and I think that's definitely important. Some of my poems usually go into chatter territory, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I try to keep that to a minimum. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, sharing. Those were that was a great little set there. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, oh, we do have the um, for for future times. We do have another anthology coming out. Yeah. Um, Anomaly Poetry works in tandem with Domesticated Primate, which our friend Nick LeBlanc is the founder of. Yeah. Um, and so we uh, come together and we create these little anthologies. Um, I guess it's – I think it's biannual is what you'd call it. We have one in the winter and one in the summer. The winter edition is called Tidings. The summer edition is called Rituals. Um, and we are putting out – a new edition of rituals, um, everything willing, uh, June 26th. And so we have submissions open right now through June 13th. That deadline may change depending on whether or not our event date has to change. Um, but you can submit short, like short works of, of fiction or nonfiction, um, and poems. Uh, I think, the fiction like limit we're limiting to 600 words and then two poems so well or two poems so 600 words or two poems there we go um and you can submit that to me actually sarah with an h at domesticatedprimate.com um i'm gonna be fielding the submissions for this one and uh i'd love to read uh, anything and everything that you want to give us. The theme is loosely like summer or nostalgia. Um, but I guess, I don't know. I feel like in this moment we should open it up to just um, like rituals in general. Like yeah. what, are, what are your, um, like actually this brings up a good uh, a good point where I am working on a workshop for my um, my day job. I work for the Zyterian Theater in New Bedford, um, and they want to do something similar where they share out like educational videos every week. And so they asked me to do a poetry workshop for like YouTube, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out a way to do that and make it like make it work. Um, and one of the poems I'm working with is from Sarah Kay. A uh, woman from New York uh, and her poem Hands. And I'm reading that poem and I'm thinking about think of all the monotonous things that you do with your hands that you can't really do right now because you need to worry about contaminating yourself or others. And it's that was just mind boggling to me. And that's why I was like, ri- like rituals, open it up to your personal ritual like what what do you do every day that you could find a poem about or you can make a poem about yeah um, and that's as simple as you know like washing your hands when you have to wash your hands 60 times a day or however many no. times get now and i mean <laughs> my ritual is uh, wash for, you know, 30 seconds just to be safe. And then after you've completely dried your hands, go and put some more lotion on because 
my skin's drying out. (laughs) (laughs) And I've never experienced that before, but that's becoming a new, um, that's sort of my new program, my new way of doing things. And, um, so yeah, rituals opening up to, uh, things that you didn't realize were a daily ritual for you. Um, that maybe yeah, you when have... they're taken away, it's like, it's yeah, funny. when they're taken yeah. away, how, you know, how does that throw you off? Does that, um, put you out of your element or maybe in your element because now you have to come up with something new. Um, yeah, strange times, definitely. But, nice. uh, we are going on as planned. So please submit your poems or your short works, uh, to us at domesticated primate. And that information does live on Facebook and Instagram as well. So if you want to find us at uh, anomaly at anomaly.poetry on Instagram or at Dom Prim Pub on Instagram for a domesticated primate. Right. Um, cool. And that's, yeah, so that's, that's my kind of finish line is June 26th. I really want to, uh, I really want to get there because we have a beautiful event planned for the release of the book um, at the Roach Jones Duff House in New Bedford. Uh, they're an old; it's an old whaling mansion that has this gorgeous um, rose garden. Yeah. And so, planning for the end of June when the roses are in full bloom, we get to sit outside and read poems in this, yeah. you know, rich old man's rose garden <laughs> and, uh, we'll need that and we need it yes, now. absolutely yeah. yes um so yeah that's where i'm setting my sights uh and so i am looking forward to reading submissions so that we can get that beautiful little book out on june 26th cool well thanks so much for reading sarah yeah well thank you very much for uh for asking me to participate i really appreciate it yeah thank you next up alex perry reads and shares alex perry welcome to the podcast glad to be here thanks so where are you reading from i am sitting at my desk surrounded by uh books and records cool so what will you be reading for us today um, I have a few poems that I've written, um, and they're a little bit more of a horror, weird, macabre genre. All right, so the, the first poem is The Cabal of Nothing. There is a place among swaying pines, a quiet place shrouded in cold mists, a vague little town high upon coastal cliffs, with thunderous waves threatening, a decaying town poised to slip into a vengeful sea. It was there the spiteful twisting roads dumped me bodily. It was there where my nightmares began. I awoke in the night, drenched in the sweat of a dream. Hearing a soft scuffling on the crumbling sidewalk, I stole to the sill to glance three stories below, but all was a fog-swirling blackness a gestating climate of nightmare elegance, a sordid magnificence that pulled at me. I wept knowing nothing mattered, save the crushing moonless gloom. Something came to me and grinned with what mouth I do not know. We know not the true nature of this place. We only see what our eyes see, hear what our ears hear, taste what our tongues taste, smell what our noses smell, all data filtered through a diseased brain, a mutated motion picture of facts. All the world is filled with perceived imperfection, a relentless natural selection. Red is red because I see it as red. What color is it when I am dead? Outside the rotten frame of this world lies a beautiful noble truth. And for my second poem, The Worm Moon. Hail, hail, worm moon, that sulky godlike eye, spoken of in gothic rune, stretched wide in a cloudless sky. From what reality have you come to glare upon a thoughtless land, a rotted berg 
a dying slum, an hourglass bereft of sand. Surely you are lost, great orb, for none shall worship thee. Though the light the ghouls absorb will fail to make them see, could this land collapse for you to make this detour right? The ocean begs to lose its blue. The fields could stand more blight. A crippled hound will bay at thee in hopes to leave this place. Pay no mind to that call of she, for the thing has lost this race. So sets worm moon in a fit of gloomy sighs. The ghouls will give up life so soon when a true sunlight arrives. Never again that orb be seen in this hollow weeping realm. The rays of sun will surely clean and put darkness at the helm. And the next poem is The Dangling Man. I've gone to meet the dangling man in the woods behind our home. Through the dark, the moon grins bright, and I seek him out alone. He awaits our meeting breathlessly, suspended from an old oak tree. Shivering sway in winter's wind, in deadly cold, he wears a grin. I've gone to meet the dangling man, taking part in his gruesome plan. The flies and crows are holding court, a verdict of the fleshy sort. I pray they leave his tongue in place to speak the lessons promised me, and eyes with which to gaze my face, and ears to hear my hellish plea. I've gone to meet the dangling man, to rid the world of scarring pain. He whispers low, the time will pass, and a dust that falls like rain. And the last poem I'll be reading is self-surgeon. I found Jethro in the barn, sharpening a steak knife, bent like a troll, whispering to himself, the metal on stone, causing my hairs to bristle. I'm going to cut it off, he said. Remove it from God's earth, he said. I could only watch as he turned, the betoothed tumor struggling in his grip as he stretched it from his bleeding mouth. Oh, how it screeched and gushed black blood as the blade sawed through. He had done a bad job sharpening the instrument. He made a mess, slicing a finger or two. The little creature died, but so did Jethro. The red and black life forces mixed so well on the floor. And that's it. Cool. Thank you. I was wondering... um if there's any like sort of strategies that you use right now, depending upon, you know, what we're going through collectively, if there's a coping that you might want to share. Uh, honestly, when I, I can't sleep, I'm either getting up and reading horror stories or uh, last night I was up from 1am to 5am um, with anxiety because yeah. I'm still working during all of this. Right. Um, and I just sat down and I, I banged out a 2,500 word story last night and then went back to bed. Wow. It's good to keep moving, I so, guess, and be creative, huh? That's, I mean, I put music on and I start typing and I just get into a zone and it just helps me forget everything else that I've got going on. So I actually uh, particularly like your, uh, I don't know what to call it, but the, your Instagram name. Wizardmaster.jpg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that before, so that's that was kind of clever. It was kind of like an inside joke from a long time ago, where okay, uh, we would say something and then say .jpg, like stupid joke that didn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> but you know, I've always been into fantasy and wizards and stuff. So, actually, the other thing I've been doing during this time. Um, some stories that I've already had written, I put them up on my uh, blog for free for everyone to read. Yeah. And then I, um, I actually made a zine one of the days that I was off. So instead of sitting around the house and doing nothing, I spent the whole day and using what resources I had made a uh, collection. Cool. The blog, uh, did you want to let us know what the address is? Yeah, sure. It's... um. It's just uh, the cataclysm press dot wordpress dot com. 
Okay, cool. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for um, having me be a part of it. Sure. And to close, we have Jill Marie reading two poems by Mary Oliver. So welcome to the Poetry Project, Jill Marie. Thanks, Phil. You're welcome. So where are you reading from today? I'm reading from my studio. Cool. Yeah. And what are you reading for us? I thought I actually have two in mind by Mary Oliver, who is one of my favorite poets. Okay. I'm finding her material to be uh, to especially resonate right now during this time. Yeah. No, because I think it uh, there was a uh, sound issue. It's Mary Oliver you're reading, and which poem or poems of hers? So I have here Death at a Great Distance and Wild Geese. Cool. Oh, take it away. <laughs> you have to take that out, too. <laughs> Why? Death at a great distance. The ripe floating caps of the fly Amanita glow in the pine woods. I don't even think of the eventual corruption of my body, but of how quaint and humorous they are, like a collection of doorknobs, half moons, then a yellow drizzle of flying saucers. In any case, they won't hurt me unless I take them between my lips and swallow, which I know enough not to do. Once in the South, I had this happen. The soft rope of a water moccasin slid down the red knees of a mangrove, the hundreds of ribs housed in their smooth white sleeves of muscle moving it like a happiness toward the water, where some bubbles on the surface of that underworld announced a fatal carelessness. I didn't even move then toward the fine point of the story, but stood in my lonely body, amazed and full of attention as it fell like a stream of glowing syrup into the dark water as death blurted out of that perfectly arranged mouth. Great. Thank you. And this is Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. That's an awesome one. I originally got to know that song from that last kind of stanza. She doesn't really use stanzas. There, there aren't any stanza breaks um, as this is written, but um, the part where she says, whoever you are, no matter how lonely, I think that's the first Mary Oliver line I ever read. And then she says, the world offers itself to your imagination. And I just, I find that to resonate so much right now because here we are all the most isolated I think any of us have been collectively and we still have the world of our imagination and um, her nature motifs, um, especially right now with us being like on the cusp of spring, she just brings me a lot of peace um, and kind of reassurance. I think also the way she handles the subject of life and death, because she very much um, talks about those themes pretty much throughout her work, you know, addresses those big questions, um, but does them on the level of the water moccasin or the flock of wild geese, those very temporal things. Um, I don't know. I just find I just find a lot of comfort in the way she uh, presents those those things to us. Cool. Thank you.
Now, would you say reading is what you're doing most to uh, cope right now? I've been driving a lot for work and I've been listening to a lot of um, audiobooks, actually. So I can't say I'm spending too much time reading, although I have been reading some other poetry at the moment. Um, This is called How to Cure a Ghost. It's a collection of poems by uh, Faria Rosen. I don't think that I'm saying that right at all. But it's a uh, it's an entire volume that she wrote called How to Cure a Ghost. Cool. That's my other reading at the moment. Um, but I would say I'm trying to keep things moving and do a little bit of something every day, um, or a few somethings. So between reading, writing, painting, dishes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, try to keep the domestic um, life peaceful as well because i think if you're forced to spend a lot of time at home why not you know kind of invest yourself in keeping your surroundings as comfortable as possible so that's another tool that i use yeah well thanks so much for sharing that no problem thanks for inviting me you're welcome This has been No Place Like Home. Thank you for listening. And hopefully this brought some different and interesting things to mind. Thanks to Sarah Jane, Alex Perry, and Jill Marie for reading and sharing. Please check out the blog post at ahtcast.com. That's A-H-T-C-A-S-T. For a few links and for part one of the series. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks again.